Welcome to you this morning to Bikers Church Midrand. It is great to have you here with us. If you are a regular member with us and come here faithfully, welcome to you this morning. We love doing life God's way with you. If you are a guest or a visitor this morning, welcome. It's great to have you here. I hope that we make you feel welcome. Please make this home this morning. And if someone doesn't, you're welcome to come and speak to me. All right. If you're visiting with us uh, today, we are ending off with a series called Pause that we've been um, busy with for the last couple of weeks. Um, it's been a bit of a different series for me. I've actually preached very little throughout this, this series. It's um, been a bit of a change of pace for me, and it's been great to just be able to engage with the series as a congregant, as opposed to someone who's uh, getting up every week and sharing the message. If you've missed out on any of the, the previous messages, please, you're welcome to hop onto our website, bikerschurchmidran.co.za, and uh, the messages are available online. If it's a bit of a spiel to work through, as it has been, I've got good news. We are finally on podcast. I'm so happy to say that. For some of you, you're like, pod what? Uh, but for those of you who are on podcasts, uh, we're on podcasts, so you can go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to our podcast, and weekly it'll download for you for free, gratis and mahala. You do not have to pay for it. It is a wonderful thing. Uh, so please go catch up there if you'd like to. But this morning, as we carry on or, or end off the series of pause, uh, like I say, it's been a bit of a different one for me. Uh, so this morning, I'd like to end off by just sharing with you, as I've engaged with pause, what has God done in my own life? What has God done in my heart? I'm, I'm sure that as you've engaged in, in this, this time of pause where we've really just connected it to our mid-year break to, to shut certain things off for a, for a time period and um, just engage as families, engage with God's heart, for his story for our lives. And as my wife and myself, as we did that during this time, there are two very specific things that God just dropped in my heart, and I really feel like it just crowns off the series. Um, they weren't comfortable conversations, I'll be honest. Um, there's something strange in our house. We have this portal in our shower where it's just like a direct line to God. I can't explain it. It's just that when I'm in the shower, it's like I just hear God really clearly. I don't know what it is, but it's just the, the truth. It's weird. Um, but I can remember the one morning just I'm in the shower. I don't have three-minute showers. I didn't go to the army. Uh, my showers are 15 minutes, and you'll soon understand why. Um, but as I'm standing in the shower, I just really feel God drop a thought in my heart. And the thought was this, Ramon, end of last year, you made a statement. You said 2017 was by far the worst year of your life. That's kind of how you sealed 2017. It's how you ended it off. 2017 was the worst year of my life. And I was like, yes, Lord, I did. I, I said that. Well, 2018 is not going a heck of a lot better. So uh, what's going on? 
And as I thought through it, it's like God just started dropping this thing into my life with regards to my focus on my circumstances. Stuff that we go through in life. I know I'm the only one in the building, so if you'll just give me a bit of grace right now um, to just confess. Um, but I really just, as I'm, as I'm just sensing God drop this into my heart, just saying, just, just talking around my circumstances and my focus on my circumstances. And, and here's the line that I, that I felt kind of resonate through me is that far too often we allow our circumstances to be our story. Did you get that? Far too often we allow our circumstances to be our story. And here's what I sense God just say to me so clearly. My circumstances shouldn't be my story. And here was the big one. Ramon, how can your circumstances be your story when I'm your author? And it's true. How can my circumstances... Sorry, it didn't happen this way when I prepared it. It really didn't. But how can my circumstances be my story when God is my author? He's got a joke for him. <laughs> it's the truth, isn't it? It's the truth. And so often we allow our circumstance to be our story. And you might be sitting there and you might be saying, Yo, but Ramon, you don't understand my circumstance. You have no idea. Like, I've got an idea what your circumstances are. Your circumstances have nothing on my circumstances. My circumstances are so much more intense and in-depth than what you're going through. And you might be right, very possibly. The truth is none of us really know what the other person's going through. Isn't that the truth? I don't really know what you're going through. Why? Because I'm not living your life. You don't really know what I'm going through. Why? Because you're not living my life. It's just a fact. It's just the reality of life that we live in today. So in order for me to kind of bring circumstance into perspective, I felt like God just led me right back to the first generation church. First century church. You know, Jesus, his disciples, well, Jesus comes into the picture. He invites a whole heap of people to follow him. Twelve say yes, and he engages with them daily, and, and we see him be arrested, crucified, buried, resurrected, goes and meets with his disciples on several occasions. <clears throat> and then at one point, he, he's about to ascend into heaven and he says, now you go and make disciples of all nations. And he kind of sets the church in motion in that moment. And he says, go away and I'm going to send you a helper. And they didn't know it was 10 days, but 10 days later, Pentecost happens and the first church really kicks off. And if I look at the first church, if I look at at <coughs> Peter and, and Matthew and all the, the crew, if we can call them that. And later on, Paul comes into the fray. And I look at all of that and I, 
I can't help but stop and look at their circumstances. What were the circumstances that they were functioning in? Well, the truth is that the circumstances that they were living in, firstly, they were living under Roman oppression. Isn't that the truth? They were conquered people. They were, they were persecuted for their faith by every angle. When we say that they were an oppressed people, the truth is that, that by the time the disciples came onto the scene, Jerusalem had been attacked 52 times. Imagine Gateng got attacked 52 times. It was captured and recaptured 44 times. It was besieged 23 times. It was destroyed once. Later on, it would be destroyed again. Between the time of Solomon and the time of the disciples, the nation of Israel changed hands 25 times. First the Syrians took them over, then the Babylonians, then the Greeks, then the Persians. And after a while, Israel carried absolutely no weight on the international stage. Half the time they had no army. And at one stage they even had to go into exile for 70 years. That's what we mean when we say that they were a conquered people, an oppressed people. And then within that system, they were still persecuted for their faith by both sides. You see, there was this group of people called the Sanhedrin who were, who were like the religious leaders of the day. And they, 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 they ran the Jewish faith back then. And unlike today, back then... Jesus' followers were actually seen as just this, this break-off of the Jewish faith. They were seen as a sect. You know, like you became a Jesus follower, you were part of a cult. That's how it was seen by the Jews of the day. So the Sanhedrin hated Jesus' followers with everything inside of them. And they persecuted them. They set, they set out to kill them. And then there's Rome. You see, the Sanhedrin had a lot of pull with the people. A lot of pull with the people. They, they, whatever the Sanhedrin said, the people followed. So Rome was scared of the Sanhedrin. So what did Rome do? To keep the peace, they said, you know what, we'll also kill Christians just to make you guys happy. As a result, if you were caught being a Jesus follower, you were pulled out into public and flogged until you recanted. If not, you were stoned to death or you were crucified. Um, at one stage, Nero found a really useful purpose for Christians. He dipped them in oil, tied them to a post, and set them on fire so that he could have nighttime light in his garden. Later on, when he uh, burnt down the city, he figured he'd blame it on the Christians so that he could uh, throw them into the Colosseum and have wild animals, lions and tigers, rip them apart for sport. So that's what it meant to be a Christian in the first century church. It looks a bit different today, doesn't it? Our circumstances look a bit different today, don't they? Then amongst all of that, these people still had families, so they still had family struggles. They still had jobs, so they still had work issues. All the stuff that we still face today, in the midst of all of that, they still had those. So I say they win when it comes to circumstances. Is that fair to say? You see, their, their circumstances were outrageous. 
but yet history records their oppressors, the emperors and the, the, the leaders of the day, records their, their oppressors as footnotes in the story of Jesus, as time markers in the story of Jesus and in the story of Peter and Matthew and John and later on Paul. And the people of power who created the circumstances in the end, they weren't the main characters of this story. And in the moment, you wouldn't have been able to imagine it at all. Not at all. Why did they not end up being the main characters of the story? Because God was not done writing the story. You see, he was busy writing a story that in the moment no one could even begin to comprehend. It made no sense if you had to play it forward for them. Not at all. It's a, it's, it's a joke that I've told many times in this church, but we have guests and it would be rude not to tell them as well. But to put this into context, if you consider how important these rulers were back then and, and, and that they kind of saw the disciples as worms. Yet today, we fast forward all the way to 2018 and we name our sons Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, Peter and Paul. We name our dogs Caesar and Nero and Brutus. Put that into perspective. How's about that for circumstances turning around? Yeah, I think God deserves that. Yeah. What did Paul have to say about these circumstances? What did Paul have to say about the circumstances that he faced? He said this. So to bring context to the scripture in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul has just spoken about this thorn that he has in his flesh. And there's big debate within, within theology as to what this thorn in his flesh was. As I read my Bible, I kind of tend to fall into a, a certain character, uh, category where I just believe that it was a physical ailment that he carried. Why? Because if I read my Bible, he talks about how many times he'd been stoned and left for dead. How many times he'd been flogged within an inch of his life? How many times he'd been shipwrecked? How many times he'd been beaten? How many times he'd even been bitten by a snake at one stage? And I I, I look at that and I just think, man, his body must have been a roadmap of scars telling a story. So when I look at that, I I can only imagine that this thorn in his flesh that he's talking about, uh, like I say, there are many schools of thought on this, but but that it was some physical ailment, some physical pain that he carried with him all the time. And this is what he says about it. He says in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8 to 10, he says this. He says, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. I don't think he said, Lord, please take it away, and then carried on with his day. I think these were seasons of him just going, Lord, please, will you remove this thing from my life? Will you remove this thing from my life? Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, catch this, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. 
So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults and the hardships and the persecutions and the trouble that I suffer for Christ. For when I'm weak, then, then I'm strong. What's Paul saying here? Paul's saying, in all that I've faced, not in some, in all, in everything that I've faced in my life that should have got me under, in all that I've faced, I've faced this all so that the power of Christ can be revealed in my life. Sometimes we wonder why we go through certain stuff. Here's the purpose. You see, when I read the words of Paul, I can only stop and think to myself that a life can only say that when that life has realized that circumstances are not the author of their story. I believe that as I read the words of, of, of Paul, uh, I see a life that recognizes God as the author of the story. Now, how are you and I any different from Paul? If there's been one criticism that I've come up against several times from my preaching is, is this, is that, that I, I, I make the disciples out to be common men. Um, here's the reason why I make the disciples out to be common men, because they were. Just like you, just like me. You might be a lady sitting here going, dude, I'm not a man. <laughs> but you can relate to their humanity. Because that's all they were, they were human. The word says that when they were captured and, 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 and interrogated, it said they could see that these were just common men. But that they'd been with Jesus. That's it. That's the distinguishing factor. These were just common men. We can relate to their humanity and I hope that we can engage with the fact that they were just been with Jesus and that we just go and be with Jesus. You see, just as in their lives, it may be the same in our lives. That there might be other people with more power, more authority, more influence than us in our lives, who seem to, to dictate the circumstances of our lives. It's very possible. There might be external pressures. You know, that health issue that you're facing, that, that, that fuel price that keeps climbing and, and, and setting prices on everything else. That, that family issue that you've been struggling with, that, that relational challenge that seems to be all-consuming. That political appointment that you've just never agreed with. Whatever it may be, all of these things, they only dictate our circumstances. They don't have to tell our story.
And here's the bottom line is that you get to choose and I get to choose who tells my story. You get to choose who tells your story. I, be- I believe this with all my heart. I-, I really just sense God say to me, saying, my boy, if you let me, I'll remain the author of your story. And today I believe he looks at you and he says, my boy, my girl, if you let me, I'll remain the author of your story. It was Craig Rochelle who said this. He said, I've walked with Jesus for enough yesterdays to trust him with all my tomorrows. I want to repeat that. It'll be up on the board, but I want to repeat it. I've walked with Jesus for enough yesterdays to trust him with all of my tomorrows. What's, what's Craig Rochelle really saying here? He's saying, because God has been faithful in my past, I can trust him with my future. What has God done in your past? What are those big moments that when you look at it, you recognize God has been active here? For me, it's as simple as looking at my wife. I never deserved her in a million years. It's what God's done in my life. I look at my little blonde-haired boy running around. I didn't deserve him. That's what God's done in my life. What's God done in your life? Have we taken the time to pause and think, go, what has God done in my life? In these moments where circumstances seem to be so big, what are those things that remind me that God is bigger than my circumstances? What are those things that remind me that there is a God working in the background who has not given up his right of full control of my life? The writer of Hebrews says it this way. Hebrews 12, 2, he says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. When I read that, I I recognize that Jesus endured the cross for my circumstances. Jesus endured the cross for your circumstances. And we are no longer under the circumstances. But as children of God, we get to know that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father where our story is busy written right now. So, How do I discern who's writing my story? How do I figure out who's writing my story? Who have I given the right to? Is it God or is it just everything else in my life? Discernment comes when we walk in step with God's heartbeat for our lives. Can I repeat that? Discernment comes when we walk in step with God's heartbeat for our lives. When we walk in step with God's heartbeat, we see his story 
for our lives and we stop misinterpreting circumstances as our story. The key scripture that we've used throughout this series of pauses has been Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, specifically in the Message Bible, and I'd like to just connect with it very quickly. He says, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. See, folks, we need to get to a point where we learn his unforced rhythms for our lives. There is a rhythm that God has for your life. There is a rhythm that God has for my life. And I need to connect with the author of my story to figure out what that rhythm is. In that place, we get to live freely. We get to live lightly. And to live in that place, the key is that I must pause. I must pause. Circumstances will always dictate my story if I allow it until I pause and connect with God's heartbeat for my life. How do I go about that? There's certain spiritual disciplines that we can practice day in and day out. And for me, that's what pausing really is all about. It's about prayer. It's about spending time in prayer, spending time talking to God. Vanna did such a great job a couple of weeks ago, spoken to breath prayers, just spoke about very simple little prayers that we can repeat over and over until they become a reality in our lives. I don't know how many of you remember, but you know, just Jesus, Savior, Son of God, have mercy on me. Jesus, Savior, Son of God, have mercy on me. Over and over until it becomes a reality in our lives. Maybe you're a bit uncomfortable with that, and then just talk to God. Just have an honest conversation with Him. Somewhere along the line, keep quiet so He can talk back. You know, you're spending time in His Word, spending time reading His Word. There's an old statement, I remember it from Bible school days. I've got no idea who said it. But it said, the Bible is the only book that you don't read. Instead, it ends up reading you. What does that mean? If you've spent enough time in the Word of God, really digging into His Word and just reading His Word, somewhere along the line, things start to turn around and, and, and it really does feel like His Word's just reading what's going on in your life. And, and through His Holy Spirit, He just starts speaking to you through His Word. That's what we mean when we talk about spending time in God's Word. Worship. You know, worship isn't just this thing that the band does on a Sunday and we kind of wait for them to finish so we can get into the message. Worship needs to be an active part of our lives. It needs to. You know, it might feel strange at first. There's no band, you know, and there might even be no one else around. Preferably let there be no one else around. They might institutionalize you if you just burst into song in the middle of your workplace, you know. But go find a place where you can just 
pop some headphones in with some worship music. Even if you don't like your own voice, God does. Okay. I believe that was for someone. Okay. God loves hearing your voice. God loves connecting with your heart more than you could ever imagine. Praise Him for what He's done. Worship Him for who He is. Do that daily. It will transform your life. You see, folks, this thing of pause, this this thing of these spiritual disciplines, it's it's not a once-off. It's not, I've done it and now it's over. It's like a couple who go for marriage counseling and and the counselor says, all right, what's going on? And the the wife's like, he doesn't love me. And and he's like, that's a lie. Of course I love her. And she says, yeah, but he's never told me. You know, he he never tells me that he loves me. And he's like, I told her on our wedding day. And if anything changed, I'll, I'll let her know. That that's not that's not what relationships about. Yet we treat God that way so often. It's like I gave my life to Him. What more do you want? It's not a once-off. This needs to happen daily, folks. I get that this, might, that this is the end of our pause series. It is. Today's the last day. But it cannot be the end of pause in our lives. This has to be the start or the continuation of us pausing and connecting with God daily. Daily. So often I think uh, I speak here and, and a lot of folks sitting here think, that, and a lot of you know me well enough to know that this isn't a true statement that I'm about to make, but, but think that somehow we got our lives together, everything sorted. We, you know, like sin is something of the past and, you know, all, all, the, all those sorts of thoughts. No, the truth is that just as the disciples always portray them as, as regular men, no matter who stands in what platform, on what pulpit, They are mere men. No matter how fancy their suit is, no matter how beautifully they sing, no matter how many they can do, it doesn't matter. They are mere men. Mere men. I felt like during this time, just working through pause, that God challenged me with this issue of the rhythm of my life. Yeah, yeah, he says, come, come and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Let me teach you the unforced rhythms of grace. And the first time I preached that a couple of weeks ago, as I was in the platform, I felt God speaking into my heart. That night I went home, I worked through it again, and I just felt like God was just pressing my button on this thing the whole time to the point where I engaged with Nats and I just said, babe, listen, you know, some, we've got to do something about the rhythm of our lives. I've got to do something about the rhythm of my life. Here's what I felt God, God challenged me with. This rhythm that you're moving to, is it your rhythm or is it my rhythm? Are you marching to the beat of your own drum? Are you setting your own pace? Have you connected with me and, and, and allowed me to teach you these unforced rhythms? What rhythm are you, are you moving at? The rhythm that you're moving at is that maybe why sometimes you just feel completely overwhelmed. 
How's this for one? This one didn't feel good at all. Um, (laughs) You complain about your circumstances all the time, but have you connected with my rhythm for your life? Made me have to stop and think. Go, Lord, you're right. Then the next question was, okay, so now what do you need to change? What do you need to change? What changes do you need to make? Folks, I had to make some pretty big changes. That's me being honest right here, right now. I had to recognize that, that through my day, I kind of woke up and then just stumbled through the day and went to sleep. Guess what I did the next day? I woke up, kind of spent a few moments with God and then stumbled through the day and went to sleep. And guess what seemed so big and so heavy? My circumstances. And I felt like God challenged me and said, hey, pay attention to that thing. You need to set the rhythm from the time you open your eyes. I changed my day. I now get up an hour earlier. Lord, help me. It's been tough. For the first couple of weeks, it was very tough. You can ask my wife. It's a good accountability partner to have while you're preaching. I can't lie. She's right here. It's been tough, but you know what? Now that we're a couple of weeks in, I'm starting to see the reward. Why? Because I'm, I'm, I've set the rhythm of my life to the rhythm of my author. I now get to meet with my, my author in the mornings, and, and he gets to share little snippets of the next chapter with me. And he says, this is what we have in store, but right now I need you to trust me for these next few sentences. How's about you? Who's the author of your story? Is it everything else? Or is it the author of life? Who's the author of your story? What rhythm are you moving to? Have you allowed circumstances and and daily activities to be the metronome at which you have set the pace of your life to? What's the rhythm of your life look like? Are you marching to the beat of your own drum? Are you maybe in a place that you feel completely overwhelmed and after this morning, a couple of things may be making a bit of sense? Are you in a position like I was where you complain about your circumstances all the time, but the truth be told, you actually haven't taken that time to pause? Connect with your author and learn his rhythm for your life. As the worship team comes up, the big question is this. This morning, what changes do you need to make? What changes do you need to make in life in order to ensure that you're not just running at any old pace, but that you've allowed the creator of heaven and earth, the author of life itself, the author of your story, to come and set the tone, set the pace, set that unforced rhythm by which we can live freely and lightly. As you just sit in your seat and 
You, you can do whatever you'd like, bow your head, close your eyes, either way. Just kind of make it a personal moment right there in your seat right now. I want to read this to us again and really just have it as God speaking to you as his child. Keeping what we've said this morning in mind. I still believe that this is what he says to us right here, right now. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Come learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Come keep company with me. And you'll learn to love freely and lightly. Father God, this morning as we've looked through some very real and at times hard truths to, to face up to, Lord. Lord, I thank you that your heart for us is to connect with you as our Father, Lord. Lord, that your greatest desire, your creational purpose for us was relationship with you. Lord, that we've gone and warped it into all sorts of other stuff. But Lord, that your full intention of creating me and every person in this room was for relationship with you. To connect with you. To love you. To spend time with you. To speak to you. To allow you to speak to us. That that is why you created us. And Lord, I speak for myself and for those of you who want to agree, agree in your seat. Lord, I'm sorry for making it about other stuff. Lord, I'm sorry for allowing stuff to become more important than you. Lord, I'm sorry for running at my own pace. Lord, I'm sorry for doing my own thing to marching to the beat of my own drum, Lord. For somehow turning life into something that's all about me. Father God, this morning I, I thank you that I can hit pause. And just come and, and come right back to what all of this is actually all about. And that's you. Lord, and that... I can take all the stuff that's going on in my life, all the circumstance, and, and I can really just bring it to a loving Father. Surrender it to you and say, Lord, you come and be the author of this story. Lord, I thank you that we do not need to twist your arm, that we do not need to try and manipulate you, Lord, that we do not need to try and, and, and create something so that you will respond. 
But Father God, I thank you that your heart for us is a heart of love and a heart that responds to his children. Right now, Lord, I pray that for myself and for every person in this room who's in the same place, Lord, that we will prioritize you. Lord, that we will give you your rightful place, that you will be number one in our lives. Lord, that you'll make us mindful of this, of this desire, that you'll make us mindful of this cry, Lord. Lord, and that as we meet with you, that you come and you meet with us in the way that only you can. We thank you for that, Lord. As we've just been praying, I just have such a sense that there are folks who are facing some pretty real circumstances. And I don't want to downplay circumstance. I believe that what we said this morning is true, but as we've been dealing with this, there's certain things that you've let go of this morning. And certain circumstances just seem to be really big right now. I'd love to just pray over those circumstances and let us drop them here today. Let, them, let us surrender these circumstances to God today. And, and instead of white knuckling as we hold on to them, to release them today to a loving Father who says, I want to take those and I want to come. And I want to be the author of your story. Give me those circumstances the, the things and, and you may have other circumstances in life right now but the stuff that's coming up inside of me that I'm really just sensing is, is, is work difficulty problems in your job possibly without work at the moment um, but just massive strain at work uh, the other one being family struggles family strain that you're busy dealing with at the moment and the other one is just ailment in your body, physical, physical pain, uh, physical um, disease, whatever it may be. My goal here this morning isn't to embarrass anyone. My goal here this morning is for us to come and connect our faith to yours. and For us to drop these things at the altar, surrender them to God and let him deal with them and let him be the author of our story. If that's you this morning, the, the service is closed. If you need to go, you're welcome to go. But if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you to come forward. I'm not even going to ask you to just stand in your seat. If that's you this morning and there's circumstance that you need to let go of and allow God to be the author, then I want to encourage you to come forward and surrender that thing to God here this morning. There are going to be folks up here to pray with you. There are going to be folks that, are, that, are, that want to engage with you. They want to connect their faith to yours and just pray with you through this process. So if that's you right now, I'd like you to just get up out of your seat. Come forward. Let us pray with you. Thank you, Jesus.
we're not rushing off. If that's you, you come forward. We'd love to just pray with you. If you're part of the ministry team, if you could also come up for us. I'm going to pray with these folks, but if that's still you and you still want to come forward, please feel free to. Lord, I thank you that as folks have taken the time to just come forward and, and come and, and, and come to the altar, literally come up to the altar and, and surrender these circumstances to you, Lord. Lord, I don't know the circumstances, but I know that you know the circumstances, Lord, better than any of us do, Lord. Father God, I thank you right now that we can recognize that there is nothing greater than you. There is nothing bigger than you, Lord. There is no circumstance that reigns over you, Lord. But Father God, that you reign over every circumstance, Father. Lord, that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and that circumstance has to bow its knee to you, Lord. So, Lord, right now, as each individual person is standing up here, Lord, Lord, I thank you that we can all just take our circumstance, Lord, and let it go. Lord, that we can release it to you. Lord, knowing that we've walked with you for enough yesterdays to be able to trust you with all of our tomorrows, Lord. Lord, and right now, as folks are standing here, Lord, I thank you that we can let go, Lord, and we could hand you back the pen. Say, Lord, come and be the author of this story. Come and be the author of this life, Lord. We commit it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to give these folks some time to just still pray with, with some folk. And uh, for the rest of you, I hope you have a wonderful Sunday. It's great having you here. Please don't rush off visit. There's good coffee and good fellowship. And we will see you next week. <laughs>